The views expressed on the following program are designed to amplify those of the speaker and not necessarily those of KAAM, DJRD Broadcasting, or its sponsors. Hello, everybody! Coming up on today's experience, devotional diamonds of the day, also known as DDDs, where my daily devotions become some of our spiritual reflections. Sound effects placed throughout the show, which have nothing to do with life. But fortunately, at this point in my own life, I do not have to say, help, I've fallen and I can't get up. Ooh, that's good. Also, the review of the goofy news, which proves Jesus is coming back sooner than you think. Take a look around. It could be in the next two minutes. Life lessons for our faith that we can actually use probably won't if we're just hearers and not doers of the word. Probably a better idea on our part to be doers as opposed to just listening to things going on. Humor that will force you to think, why does this guy have a radio show? When the next bill is due, I will let you know why. That's that's how that will work. Also, Bible trivia for fake, and yet somehow, real cool prizes, your phone calls, and more. Welcome to the David Spoon Experience, local, national, and heavenly talk. My name is David Spoon. I will be your host for the next 5,400 seconds. Get ready for one of the more bizarre experiences on live radio. Here is the key to the show. We don't know what we're doing. We have no idea what's going to happen, and we don't care. But for the next few minutes, I want to talk faith with you. So here we go. We're asking questions about living life as a Christian, going through the process of everything you do outside of fellowship, outside of church, outside of when you know you need to be on your best behavior, at the other times, at the other moments that things are tough. We're talking about those moments where we are in deepest need to be fully dependent on the Lord and not try to carry the weight of our world on our shoulders. If you have an opinion, a comment, a thought, or a question, okay, that's an opinion, a comment, a thought, or a question. If you have a praise report and want to share it with others, a prayer request and want to share that with others, we encourage you to reach out to us. You can call 972-445-0770. That's 972-445-0770. When you do that, Captain Chris will answer the phone. And the great thing about that is when he answers the phone, you know you're sailing in the right direction because you're talking to Captain Chris. I just love it. Also, you can text us, 214-210-8483. It's even during the show, and a lot of people do that at 2 or 3 a.m. too. Uh, 214-210-8483. You can text us. You can email us, david at hemustincrease.org. That's david at hemustincrease.org, which leads us to the website, a place where there is encouraging videos, audios, a few different goofy things on there, plus an opportunity to give if... If, if the Lord puts it on your heart, check out hemustincrease.org. Website, hemustincrease.org, hemustincrease.org. Email david at hemustincrease.org. Facebook, 
He must increase ministry. You too. He must increase ministry. Okay, dokie, artichokey, one of our favorite theological terms. Here's one of the things that I'm getting ready to talk to you about. We're going to be talking about the Beatitudes. And this, I'm just telling you up ahead of time, I enter this carefully because these, this portion of teaching that Jesus gave us, the Beatitudes, is so powerful if we will just slow it down and look at it and examine it, and that's what we're going to do. Before we get there, there's a couple things to tell you. On Monday, we'll have a kind of a cool, we hope it's Monday, it should be Monday, kind of a cool announcement. That's number one. Number two, keep praying for, um, if you could keep praying for me, I'd appreciate it in regards to the recovery from surgery. I am doing better and better, and I would like to be able to say I have done the best uh, I do seem to be recovering at a much rapid, a much more rapid rate than they thought, which is super cool. I think that's super cool. And then uh, I was even able to tie my own shoes today. <laughs> There's little things you might not think about that are hard to do when you can't move your leg. Anyhow, so I was excited about that. And then the other thing is to keep one another in prayer. The way that unity is defined, especially in Acts chapter 1, 12 through 14, is the idea that they were praying together, they were unified. There's one Father, there's one Lord Jesus Christ, and there's one Holy Spirit. You have the same dad, you are blood relatives through Jesus Christ, and you drink of one fountain, the Holy Spirit. That unity is kept in the Trinity, and the key to that is to maintain or fight for it on a regular basis, no matter how different you are from other people. If they have a genuine faith in Jesus Christ and you have a different eschatology, so what? Who cares? You can tell me the 12 disciples all like the exact same meal? I'm going to go, no. Okay? Get 12 people in a bus, take them to a restaurant, they're all going to get the same thing? <laughs> Not a chance. Okay, so be aware that that unity that is called upon, that we're called to maintain, we're called to fight for, is a part of our process as Christians. And the reason I bring that up is because I'm going to give you a couple of different points of view on the interpretation of the Beatitudes. So with that said, let's just start off. We could probably spend four hours in the very first one, but we won't. We will just simply start off with the very first one out of the New King James Version. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the... I want to make sure you heard me. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Now, I'm going to borrow a few different uh, comments about this. I want to just read this to you real quickly, if you don't mind. Each beatitude includes a pronouncement of blessing, a description of the ones considered as blessed, and an explanation for the blessing. The poor in spirit are those who recognize their spiritual poverty and casting aside all self-dependence. Seek God's grace. Ooh, that's so good. <laughs> now we're going to watch this. We're going to look at this, and I want you to catch some of it. It's, it's just it's really cool. In the Beatitudes, it actually moves from a present context to a future context. 
Okay, does it moves it moves from present to future, and you're going to see that as we go through each one. The first thing we see is that there's a blessing. Remember, we talked about what what, what the beatitudes are. Blessed are they. What's that mean? It means happy, joyful. Uh, it's almost like a, 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 you can almost dance to it. It's like wow, cool. I guess you could say it's like winning the lottery, but you win maybe you know ice cream versus you know trillion dollars kind of thing. The idea behind this is that you recognize. Yeah, I, I'm a little short in some of this. Now, if you will, if you will appreciate the wisdom of it all, I'm sure you can. There is a truth to that initially when you become a Christian, but there is also a truth to that after you become a Christian. In fact, being poor in spirit and the recognition of that being poor in spirit is something that brings people to the ultimate place of surrender before the Lord so that the Lord can take up that lordship position in our lives. We find out that that is not just based for salvation, but it also has to do situationally that we also on a regular basis need to recognize, yeah, I'm coming short in that, Lord. I'm not where I need to be. I need to be in a better place. I recognize that in every bit of this, I am fully dependent in seeking your face and seeking your grace. In fact, Jehoshaphat demonstrated this when he, in the midst of an army attack, turned to the Lord and said, "Uh, I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. That is a great way to understand it, to understand the complexities of being uh, spiritually poor, to understand the complexities of being poor in the spirit. We begin to understand that in the spiritual realm, which is the most important realm, the everlasting realm, we're terrible. We're terrible. We're, let me tell you, we're bad in the physical realm. Now, we, we've done a great job with medicines and, and you know, different kind of things that we've uh, done to uh, enhance and make our lives uh, go longer. And then we've also done a great job on creating foods that kill us faster. <laughs> and we also have invented faster ways to die than ever before. Yeah, we're, we're genius. In the spiritual realm, it is a full submission to the grace of God. And everything—notice this is the first beatitude—everything starts with that first surrender. It's the acknowledgement. And what's awesome about it is Jesus is telling the people that know, that recognize their own spiritual poverty, have I got good news for you. Do you know that? that longing inside of you that you've just never been able to coordinate and it's always coming coming at you on the inside, gnawing away at your insides, I've got the answer, Jesus said. I've got the answer, and the answer is the kingdom of God. No. Now we understand why uh, John the Baptist, Jesus, Peter, Paul, and every other New Testament person started off with repent, you know, repent and, uh, and, and recognize the kingdom of God is at hand. It's like, there it is. Here it is. Here's the kingdom. Here's the kingship of God. Yay! Why? Because that begins the process. And it's a wonderful element to understand that those who feel—it's funny because the New 
English, is it the new, it's the New English Bible. Let me check my notes. New English Bible says that they know, they know their need for God. Those who feel their spiritual need. Do you feel that lacking? Do you feel that I'm not where I need to be? Jesus says, I got great news for you. News that will change your life. I have the answers that you've been looking for. That longing that you have inside your heart, I have that answer for you. We're going to start right here. Surrender yourself to God through Jesus Christ, and the kingdom of God will be yours. Oh, my goodness. That's the way you start it, right? All right. We're going to take our break and come back and get into some trivia. You're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Short break. We'll be back. Don't go anywhere. Destroying everyone and everything we This KAAM radio show with your very own David Spoon is not a business, but a nonprofit ministry first and foremost committed to sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and strategically equipping the saints. Our mission is to educate, encourage, and entertain Christian believers, the hurting, and those not yet believers who need biblical truths. To continue our radio ministry and message of truth, we need many of our faithful listeners to support us, as well as ministry partners who might wish to sponsor the He Must Increase ministry. By giving, you wonderfully facilitate our priorities of assertively teaching the Word of God, and you get nothing in return. No quid pro quo. Nothing but a receipt at the end of the year indicating you gave to us since your donation is 100% tax-deductible. Remember that it says in Corinthians that whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Or in Proverbs, where it teaches that a generous person will prosper, whoever refreshes others will be refreshed. But if you cannot give, no problem. Continue to enjoy and learn and give however you see fit whenever you can. To support us, go to hemustincrease.org. That's hemustincrease.org. Such support is terribly appreciated, knowing it enables our beloved David Spoon to give to all of us his time, energy, like so few can. Right here on KAAM. What is the David Spoon experience? Do you think it's been, organizational leadership has been a good thing for church leaders? Well, it, oh. <laughs> I'll tell you what, it's a penetrating question. The answer is very simple. If used correctly to add value to people and serve others, it's a good thing. If used incorrectly, it's not a good thing. And, uh, you know, when people talk about everything rises and falls on leadership, I teach them often that it rises, but it also falls. And nothing is better than for people to have a good leader, and nothing's worse than for people to have a bad leader. And the to me, what what makes servant leadership work is this. Most leaders put themselves first before their people. And so it is a me uh, motivation as far as leading. What's in it for me? Uh, I, I travel internationally with my uh, company, Equip. And, and uh, in fact, I'll, I'll leave Sunday for Guatemala. In fact, I'll be meeting next week with the president and the cabinet of Guatemala. And when I'm, when I'm with these leaders alone, David, alone, I mean, no, no handlers, no media, nothing, but just alone, the question I ask them, which is, I think, the true servant leadership question is, Will the people be at, better off after you've served your term as a leader than they were before you got there? Wow. And, and I think that's, and, and when the answer is yes, you have been a good leader, it has been a good thing. Organizational leadership, good thing. When the answer is no, bad leader, bad thing. 
Welcome back to the David Spoon Experience. Thank you for joining us here at KAAM 770, the truth station. By the way, that's KAAM, the truth station here in Texas. Just making sure you guys stay on top of it. I think that's uh, Mr. Maxwell that we were interviewing there. He's just, it's brilliant. That guy's like brilliant. Like, like I have a couple of good moments, maybe some spikes. Those are people that are like sharp all the time. It's like, wow. All right, let's do our first uh, trivia question. A little tougher on the first one, maybe, maybe not. Uh, Let's see if you guys get this one. Okay. All right. All right. Who said God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering? Who said that? Somebody said God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering. Who said that? Who said that? Who said that? If you think you know, you want to you want to call in 972-445-0770. I will give you this hint. It's in Genesis. There you go. That should be all yet you need. Uh, you can also uh, text in 214-210-8483. Who said? And then also you can email David at he must increase.org. Who said? Somebody calling in before I'm even finishing. <laughs> Who said? God himself will provide uh, the lamb for the burnt offering. Who had said that? We got somebody calling in and getting ready to answer, uh, which only means everybody needs to be on top of it, uh, which is good. That's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. And uh, people are responding even faster and faster. Are we ready? Are we ready? Here we go. This is David. Who am I talking to? Uh, Hello, this is Bobby from Climax. Hi, Bobby from Climax. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, uh, it's from Climax, Texas, outside of Princeton. But uh, uh, anyway, I'm doing well. And I thought, think that was uh, Father Abraham when uh, he was supposed to sacrifice Isaac. That is correct, Amanda. <laughs> and you, you have to admire that if you think it's one of those stories where when you switch places, when you and you're allowed to do this in, from a front, you, I mean, can't do it in a over over context but you just think if i'm abraham and i'm walking to sacrifice my son and then my son turns and goes eh, where's the offering but he knew that the lord would provide now he did not know that god was gonna you know, kind of change it all up at the moment but the willingness to do that which god had set before him especially and i think people are like well it doesn't seem right god was going to make him the father of billions of people the the father yeah. of people of faith is like yes this is as clear as god wants it to be he just wants no other god between him and abraham and that's how it came down it was awesome so. oh yeah oh yeah the best part i liked is that uh, right after that god told abraham now i know you love me yeah i mean now you know you it's, it's one of those things that's funny you should say that i was in my devotions listen to this that's really cool that you said that i actually think that's a good launch for this i was doing some of my devotions this morning and i was in first corinthians chapter uh seven and eight and one of the portions in that text says that those that love the lord he knows like he knows you and it's like if you love him he yeah. know he knows you it's like oh that's uh, yeah. so good love it <laughs> excellent you. job cool. I, that, I forgot about about that. It's been a while since I've been in Corinthians. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it's a wonderful. I'm, I'm doing my rereads on a whole bunch of it. It's just wonderful stuff. It's more fun sometimes, second, third, fourth, or fiftieth time around. I can say that. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. All right. Well, you have a good day All and right. uh, good talking to you again. You as well. God bless you. God bless you. Bye bye. <laughs>
All right, way to get it rolling. That's just uh, so much fun. I wonder if I was I wondered today when I read that. Am I going to get a chance to share that? That's just like a perfect opportunity there. All right, let me get to this next one. I don't want you guys to lose this. We're going to be careful to do these separately, but I also want to put this thread that connects everything. So the first one that we talked about from the Beatitude point of view, which is Matthew 5.3, is blessed are those, uh, blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. Then the next statement are blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So if you take the position of some of the commentators, and there's nothing wrong with doing this, there's nothing wrong if you do it or if you don't do it, that's fine. But the, some of the commentators believe that this is a, a successive or a progressive process. So the first thing that happens is you recognize, man, I'm poor in spirit. I am just way, 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 way bad and way, way, way not there. And so then the next response to being poor in the spirit would then be mourning. It would be um, a, a way of responding to your recognition. It would be a way of you saying, yeah, I'm poor in spirit and I need some help. It's not just asking for help. It's the emotional outburst of the internal person saying, oh, God, help. And that's a big, big, big thing to say because for those that don't know, the real response to spiritual deficiency should be some form of, Notice I use that phrase, some form of authentic weeping. Now, when I say that, I mean it by this. There's a passage in Ezekiel that says that God mentions that you will hate yourself for your own sins. And it's like, that's what he's talking about. He's talking about that where you go, I can't believe I did this. I am so bad. And then you just like pour it out before the Lord. As opposed to that being dramatic, if it's just you and God, and believe me, when I'm praying with God, I'm 10 times more dramatic than I am in this radio show. There's a, a genuine outpouring. I think the Lord sees that as, as weeping, and he comforts when that happens. And when you bring it before the Lord and you go, oh, oh, oh and you know I need, I need help. It's a, almost a, a, a bereavement, a genuine sorrow of repentance. Now, where there's a, a little bit of a fight, for whatever reason, nobody could ever figure it out, is uh, the scholars differ on the exact nature of, the, of, of what people are crying about. Some say Jesus is referring to the nation of Israel mourning for its sins. Other interpret it more personally. And then the commentator goes on and gives uh, definitions on both. Let me explain something to you so you can know where I'm coming from, so you'll never have to wonder, well, where does Dave come from and that kind of thing. I, as clear as can be, I see the Old Testament as nationalistic, and the New Testament is individualistic. When you look at the Sermon on the Mount, you find out that when he talks about a city set on the hill, Jesus is talking to individuals, not an actual city, and no, it's not a country. So even though I like Ronald Reagan, that was still a wrong statement. Don't get mad at me. It's just a misquote. Don't yell at me. I, I know how to read. And the bottom line to that is the New Testament has a lot to do with the kingdom within. And I believe from an individualistic point of view, as, as and it could be a combo, by the way, but I certainly think it's first individualistic and then nationalistic. So the Old Testament, everything's corporate. Everything's, uh, you know, kind of enlarged. The New Testament is more individualized, which is why Paul says everything else is garbage compared to me just knowing Christ. So you get that personalization, and then there's a... 200 times where the phrase, my God, my God, my God, a lot of personalization going on there. The idea behind this is to grasp that when you know that you are short, 
that you come before the Lord with sincerity and you weep before him in that. Now, do you have to actually shed tears? No, but you could. Here's the great example. Remember when Peter messed up and denied the Lord? And he denied the Lord three times. I mean, this is not even once. There's a guy who spent three years with him three times. He's like, who? Who? I don't know the guy. And if you look in, in one gospel, it, it's progressive. At first, he, he disavows. Then he says, no, no, no. And then the third time, he curses. Like He gets more mad every time he talks about it. The idea behind this is that then he was weeping, and then he looks at Jesus, right? He, he's like, there's this weep, and then that weeping takes place. It's like when you know that you've done it wrong, and the Lord is there and looks at you, the real response is just to cry about it. Because like, what else are you going to do? Like, yeah, what? Man, did I blow that. Now, because the Lord is full of grace and mercy, he restored him. And remember how many times Jesus restored him in that one situation? Three times, three denials, three restorations. The Lord knows what he's doing. But the idea behind it all is that there's this genuineness individually within you that just goes, please help me, God. Adam Clark, who's a great commentator of uh, many years ago, believes that this is the progression for a person to be saved. Just kind of goes walks through it. And I think that there's some truth to that. I think you can stand by that. You can also understand that some people hear the gospel and say, that's the best story I've ever heard. I believe it. <laughs> so it's like, okay, that's good too. There's nothing wrong with that. But recognizing your spiritual poverty and responding. It's one thing for you to go, yeah, I'm a mess. Bye. You know, yeah, I'm a mess. And in three hours, I'm going to be more of a mess. <laughs> That's not the right response. The right response is, yeah, I'm a mess. And if you don't help me, it's going to get worse. Please, 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 God help me. That's that's what it is. You think, well, I say it different, Dave. Cool. I do it different, Dave. Cool. I think the idea is that you're doing it. And there's no one way yeah, I don't know where. <laughs> that's what I love about being a Baptocostal. It's like there's only one way, really? Jeez, that's not in the book. Anyhow, the point that I'm trying to communicate to you is when the Lord reveals your spiritual poverty, and you as Christians who know the Lord is challenging you in something, and you know you're wrong with it. You know what? I will give you the single best piece of advice I can ever give you on this show. Ready? If the Lord feeds you humble pie, eat it and eat it fast. <laughs> because the longer you wait, the bigger the slice gets. So just if the Lord gives you humble pie, start chewing away and going, yes, sir, yes, sir, yes, sir, and move it on because it only gets worse from there. If you're going to fight against it, then that's just pride and arrogance. But there are some of you where the Holy Spirit has challenged you in a particular area and there's a lot of resistance. you got to stop resisting, own it. Yield it, weep about it, ask for help about it, turn your face to the Lord, and as he turns his face and shines upon you, it is well with your soul. That's what you want. Just You're not looking to—you don't have to be a superstar. Just be one of his kids, okay? All right. All right, you're listening to the David Spoon Experience right here on KAAM 770, the truth station here in Texas. Going to take a short break, top of the hour, then we'll be back. Don't go anywhere.
What is the David Spoon experience? So what Jesus said, whoever is not against you is for you. That's what he's talking about. They're, they're a kingdom advancer. It's all good. Now watch this in Luke chapter 11, verse 20 through 23. If I drive out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his estate, his possessions are secure. But when one stronger than he attacks and overpowers, he takes from him all his weapons, the armor and the weapons of the foot soldier that he trusted in, and he divides up his plunder. Anyone who is not with me is against me, and anyone who does not gather with me scatters. And you're thinking, but what about the other verse? Watch. Keeping it in context, this person is not for the kingdom of God. This person is neutral, not a kingdom advancer, not a person that's trying to advance the kingdom of God. And when you are not a kingdom advancer, then you are supporting the other kingdoms. You are either in, for, with through and by the kingdom of God or all the other kingdoms. There is no neutral. There is no, well, I'm going to, I'm going to sit this one out. There is no sitting it out with God. You're either helping advance his kingdom or helping another kingdom advance. One of the two. So the guy that was casting out evil spirits in the name of Jesus Christ, he's advancing the kingdom of God. But the person who's not for Jesus is trying to be neutral and do nothing. That person's not advancing the kingdom of God. And that person who's not advancing the kingdom of God is therefore against the kingdom of God because there is no neutral. And you're thinking, well, no, no, there's got to be a neutral. Never heard the joke about the mugwomp, huh? Never heard about the soldier that, you know, was Confederate soldier and then a Union soldier had gray on the top and, and dark blue on the bottom. What'd they do? Shoot at him from both sides. That's what they did. In other words, there is none of that. That doesn't exist. You're either with Jesus in the advancement of his kingdom or you're not. And if you're not, then he considers that against. And you think, well, whoa, that is just rude. Tell it to Jesus. Tell him he's rude. Go ahead. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Not, hey, you know in your life, you got all these things going on. You got to take care of work. I get it. You got to do this. You got to do this. You got to pay this bill and do this and raise your kids. Do this, do this. And somewhere in there, do me a favor and every once in a while kick it around and think about me and the kingdom. And That, that doesn't exist. That's not a, a reality check. The reality check is that you are either for the kingdom of God or opposed to the kingdom of God. And if you try to be neutral, you're opposed. The David Spoon Experience.